This is the Ultimate Attorney Podcast, the podcast for small law firms who want to create a thriving legal practice. Each week, we'll uncover the ways that you can improve your referrals, your marketing, and your business operations, helping you to generate more revenue and elevating your life and your law practice. In each episode, we'll tap into some of the closest guarded secrets from industry titans, thought leaders, and legal specialists. We're glad that you've tuned in. And once again, it's time to help you become an ultimate attorney. Hey everyone, Dre Redfern here. And I'm Alexis Neely. And welcome to the Ultimate Attorney Podcast, where this week we're gonna be diving into a topic on legal insurance plans. Should you use them? Should you consider them? Should you not use them? We're gonna talk all of the ins and outs, the positives, the negatives, and give you some really great insights on legal insurance plans. Yeah, so let's start by looking at what is a legal insurance plan. Maybe you've had some of these companies contact you and ask you to sign up with them. Some of them are named Hyatt Legal Insurance Plan, ARAG Legal Insurance Plan. There may be others as well. And you might have thought, well, yeah, this would be a great source of continuing business for me. And maybe I will use this to generate business for my law firm. And you absolutely can do that if you know how to do it in the right way. And unfortunately, most lawyers don't. If you don't know how to do it in the right way, what happens is you sign up with one of these services. And these, by the way, are services that like will work through employers and the employers will give their employees a legal insurance plan. And as part of that legal insurance plan, it's like a perk for the company. The client can go to a lawyer that's part of the plan. And for example, they can get an estate plan done or various other types of services through this legal insurance plan. And then the legal insurance plan will compensate the lawyer generally a very, very low fee in order to provide a set of documents to this client. And it can be challenging because, you know, the client comes in thinking, okay, I'm going to get an estate plan for 500 bucks. And truth be told, you know this, if you're doing estate planning, you can't truly deliver anything of value for 500 bucks. Yet this is what the legal insurance plan has set as your fee. And this is what the client thinks, you know, well, I'm already covered by my legal insurance plan. So if you are going to be delivering services under this legal insurance plan system, you need to know how to intake these clients in a new way because they're coming in expecting a set of documents that are going to take care of their family if anything happens to them. And you need to know how to educate these clients in your initial meeting so that you're able to show them, okay, look, here's what you would get under the state's plan for you, right? That'd be no plan. Here's what you're going to get under a legal insurance plan. And here's what this is not going to cover. So that sure, if you want to just do what the legal insurance plan provides for you, this is what it's going to look like when you become incapacitated or when you die. And are you actually okay with that? Are you actually okay with a plan that's a set of documents that you're never going to look at again? Or do you want to have a plan in place that you know is going to work for your family? And you've got to understand how to take your clients through that prospect, your prospects through that process where they come out more informed, educated, and empowered. And if they choose the legal plan, you know, the insurance plan option, they are choosing it with a knowing, with a clear knowing and a clear understanding of what that legal insurance plan actually doesn't cover. What are the holes that are left as a result of that legal insurance plan? For example, 
One of the things that I identified, Dre, many years ago when my daughter was young is that every estate planner is naming legal guardians for minor children in a will. All right, that's the way that we've been taught to do it. Name legal guardians in the will and everything will be taken care of. Well, one night I was you know, out to dinner with my husband. Our baby was at home with the 16-year-old babysitter. I had an estate plan. I had named legal guardians in my will. And as I was thinking about it, I said to my husband, hey, Todd, if we didn't make it home tonight, what would actually happen to our daughter? Well, we have a will, but nobody knows where that is. And everybody I've named as legal guardians for her in the will live 3,000 miles away. We live in California and my mom, my family is in Florida. So even if somebody knew where my will is, it's going to take them time to find my mom and my sister. I don't even think that we listed their phone numbers or anything. And in the meantime, the police are going to go to my house. They're going to find our daughter there with a 16-year-old babysitter. What are those authorities going to do? Well, they're going to have no choice but to take her into the care of strangers until they figure it out. That is enough to cause a ton (laughs) of anxiety right there. Yeah, I freaked out. I said, oh my God, I need to do something here. This is a massive hole in the estate planning process. And through that, we created our kids protection plan. Ultimately, I ended up writing a book on this, on this whole thing. It's called Wear Clean Underwear. And it's because, you know, once you're a parent, wearing clean underwear alone is no longer enough. If you're in an accident, there's important legal steps you need to take. And really actually creating an, an entirely new industry of serving younger families that were not being properly served by the current market. And so, you know, a legal insurance plan is not going to provide a kid's protection plan. They're going to provide naming guardians in a will. So for example, you would need to educate as part of your intake process, as part of your initial client meeting process, you would need to educate people and say, okay, here's what the state's plan would provide. If you were to die, or become incapacitated, let's actually look at who would come forward to take care of your kids right now because anybody could come forward and you explore that with them. Okay, well, here's what the legal insurance plan would provide. We can name guardians in a will, but let's look at what would actually happen in your family if you just named legal guardians in a will because, you know, when if I just named legal guardians in a will, my child would be taken out of my family out of my out of my home and into the care of strangers. That's not okay with me. Let's see if that would also happen in your family. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, if that would happen, maybe this legal insurance plan is not actually going to serve your family. And there's a number of different ways that a legal insurance plan would fail a family. You know, the the, the example I brought up is just one example. There's so many more ways, like, for example, All of the billions of dollars that are sitting in the state departments of unclaimed property right now, is the legal insurance plan actually going to cover an inventory of your assets and then have that inventory being updated year in and year out so that if you become incapacitated or when you die, die, your family actually knows what you have because most often assets are lost. The family does not know what exists. And so it's really important if you are going to be taking clients through a legal insurance plan that you truly understand what that legal insurance plan covers, what it doesn't cover. And then you know how to educate your clients through the process of being able to choose what is right for them. Is it the legal insurance plan or is it a more comprehensive plan that's actually going to serve their family? 
So let's talk about, I guess, the type of uh, attorney who may actually consider this. Is this an attorney you think that's starting out that's trying to get their feet wet and generate more leads? Is this for an established law firm? What is the typical attorney who would use this? Yeah, I think that the attorney who can use this wisely is in, in that situation where they are just starting out and they need to get their name into the community and they need to start having the opportunity to sit down with clients or prospects and practice meeting those prospects and taking them through a process of educating and forming and empowering those prospects to make the right decisions. So this can be a great source of leads for you to be able to do that, for you to be able to practice. But before you are practicing, you need to make sure that you have a clear process in place so that you are actually able to educate the people that you are sitting down with on the difference between those three plans, the difference between the state's plan for them, the legal insurance plan, and a more comprehensive plan. And, you know, it's not just about you telling the person that you're sitting down with what the difference is between those three plans. I think that's where a lot of lawyers really miss the boat. They miss the opportunity. We've been taught as lawyers to spot problems, fix those problems, and tell people the solutions, right? When you do that, that's not going to get you clients. Instead, what you have the opportunity to do, and we talked about this in the last episode on why LegalZoom and Rocket Lawyer are not going to destroy your business, is you have the opportunity to actually become a trusted counselor to your clients. In order to do that, you need to learn the skills of counseling, the skills of really taking people through a process where they're telling you why the state's plan would not work for them. They're telling you why that legal insurance plan would not work for them. And they're telling you why they actually need a more comprehensive plan like the one that you would know how to deliver if you learned a new way to deliver these services. So yes, I think for somebody just starting out, for an established law firm, you know, you can use these plans as well. But ideally, if your law firm is truly established, you're no longer needing to rely on a legal insurance plan sending you clients. Instead, you've got systems in place to be educating your community in a new way where you are being seen as the go-to lawyer for your practice area, whatever that is, in your community. And to me, that's the sign of a mature law firm. You know, and I, I think that going through this, you know, it, it, I have a hard time putting any, and there's, you know, this is just me personally, any faith in other businesses in order to provide or supply me leads. Yeah. I think that comes from having run a marketing agency for several years now, yeah. knowing what it takes, but I see the value. I mean, there's absolute value in it, especially if you're starting off to get, you know, generate some money when you're hanging up your shingle for the first time, it's super stressful and I get it. And so, you know, I see both sides of it, and I totally agree with you that, that this shouldn't be a forever situation or a forever plan that an attorney should look for, that they're just going to have an endless flow of leads. However, I also, you know, as a caveat to that, wouldn't necessarily say that our listeners should not go implement all of the amazing things that we've talked about so far when it comes to lead gen. 
mm-hmm. and generating more leads, generating more clients using, you know, direct mail or books or online advertising or all of these things that we've already talked about. So if you're coming in now and you haven't listened to any of those episodes, I highly suggest you go back and listen to some of those episodes simply because they're a great way that maybe could serve as a, uh, a benefit or you know, additional sort of bonus on top of this legal mm-hmm. estate plan or legal insurance plan sort of setup. But if this doesn't necessarily apply to you, if you've already got an established foundation and established practice, I think that you know this may not be the right solution for you. And there's plenty of other things that we've already talked about that may be wonderful, wonderful situations and strategies and tactics that you can use to grow your practice. Absolutely. And it does. It takes time to set all of those things up, you know. So as you are getting your presentations going, as you're getting your website up and running, as you're starting to look at using direct mail, using a book to market your practice, this can be a good way to get those practice clients. And what you are practicing when you're taking on practice clients is you're practicing your intake process and your engagement process. We always say that those are really the first two things to nail down because when you know how to engage clients at an average fee of three to $5,000 each, you're no longer charging for your time on an hourly basis. You've got your flat fees or your recurring revenue fees dialed in. You understand how to present those fees in a new way. You You understand how to educate and form and empower your clients so that they're just absolutely thrilled with the experience they've had with you. They leave your office having said yes, happy to write you a check. Once you nail down that process, now it makes sense for you to go out and start paying for your marketing. It makes sense for you to go out and invest in direct mail. It makes sense for you to go out and invest in writing a book because you know that every single person that you sit down with who needs your services is going to say yes, and all of those investments are going to pay off. But the truth is, is that before you know that those investments are going to pay off, let's say that you sit down with people and only 30% of the people you sit down with say yes, or only 50% or even only 70% of the people you sit down with say yes. Or if they're saying yes to working with you at an hourly billing rate or at too low of fees, Well, it doesn't even make sense for you to spend a lot of money on marketing at that point because you're going to think that your marketing is not effective. And instead, when you know how to engage every single person that needs your services and at the fees that are the right fees for you, whether they come through a legal insurance plan or any one of the other investments in marketing that you're making, well, now oh yeah, I want to put as much as I can into marketing. I want my message to get out there really clearly because I know that every single person I sit down with who needs me is going to say yes and they're going to pay me well for it. And now it's just about getting really clear on how many clients do I actually need each month and at what average fee to hit my goals. And then you can look at the specific marketing strategies, whether it's legal insurance plans or, or direct mail or appearing on podcasts or you know the, the myriad of things that you can be doing to generate leads. You're going to be able to look at what are the things that I should be doing that will generate me the exact number of clients that I need to be serving each and every month. That's when your practice gets really simple. That's when you can really start making strategic decisions and have your focus really streamline and totally take control of your calendar. So I would say that with these legal insurance plans, the best time to use them is when you need a lot of practice clients to come in 
and you're practicing your intake and engagement process so that you can nail that down before making big investments in things like direct mail, running seminars, doing maybe radio ads, TV ads, writing a book, practice, know that you've got your engagement process down, know that you can command those affordable premium fees and use the legal insurance plan specifically for that. I love it. It's a really great way to, st- to start off you know, at getting your, your foot in the door, getting the practice started and, uh, and really getting that experience needed. So uh, Allie, what are we covering in our next episode? In our next episode, we're going to be talking about your website because there are a lot of really bad lawyer websites out there. And we want you to know exactly what you need to have on your website to have it go from being just a brochure website where somebody comes to you, your website, they see you they're like, okay, that's nice. And then they never come back again to you creating a website where you can actually develop a relationship with the people who are checking you out so that you can stay top of their mind so that even if they're not ready to hire you the first time they come to your website, when they are ready to hire a lawyer, you're the one that they're going to hire. So we're going to look at all the specifics of what you need to have on your website to go from brochure site to relationship creator website on our next episode of the Ultimate Attorney Podcast. I'm looking forward to it. I have a lot of things to add to that conversation. We can't wait to see you all in the next episode. We'll see you there. See you there. Hey there, Dre Redford here, and I have one last thing for you. If you haven't already done so, please go to ultimateattorneypodcast.com to access all of the resources and free downloads that we've discussed in this episode and all of the other amazing episodes on the Ultimate Attorney Podcast. While you're there, be sure to look on the right-hand side of the page to enroll to receive some of our free premium content simply by entering your name and email address. Now, when you do that, you'll be the first to know when we release a new episode. You'll get all sorts of expanded resources and additional content that is only available exclusively to the listeners of the Ultimate Attorney Podcast. And while you're at it, as we said earlier, please be sure to share this episode with your friends, your family, and other attorneys who may benefit from this episode. Because whoever shares these episodes and the Ultimate Attorney Podcast the most this month will win a product from either Ali or myself that's valued between $1,000 and $3,000. So what are you waiting for? Go share the Ultimate Attorney Podcast, and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode.